0: Hello everyone and welcome to Journey to Success Radio. My name is Tom Tutal Cunningham. I'm a Napoleon Hill Foundation Certified Instructor and Resiliency Expert. And my uh, life purpose is to encourage people to live positively with and through the many and varied challenges that life throws our way. You can find out more about me and this uh, radio show at uh, the website which is journeytosuccessradio.com. My guest today is an amazing guest because he's read Think and Grow Rich over a hundred times, 107 times to be exact as of this moment. And uh, Jim Shorkey, Jim Shorkey is a successful businessman who in just over a decade expanded his Western Pennsylvania automobile dealership into a seven dealership conglomerate that is consistently among the top performing companies in any industry in the region. Jim attributes his success to the skills he has learned from studying the lessons of the most successful people the world has ever known. These principles have not only helped Jim in the business world, but have helped to improve his personal life as well. Jim created his newest venture, Results From Thinking, uh, for the sole purpose of sharing the formula for success that Jim himself followed while building his automotive empire. Jim's belief is that this formula is transferable to anyone and to any business. His informative and inspiring talks will take you through exactly what he did to turn his business from bankruptcy imminent to the profitable company that it is today. And through his programs, he will teach you the skills needed to reach this level of success in any area of your life. If you can tell Jim what you want, he can show you how to get there. Welcome to the show today, Jim.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's a real honor to be here, Tom. I am so happy to be able to talk to you and your audience. So thank you for
0: that. You're the, uh, of all the people I've heard about you who have read Think and Grow Rich, the second most. The first most is Joe Dudley. who's read it over 300 times. Uh, maybe you'll catch up to him one day, but uh, 107 times, <laughs> that's a good start. Uh, so welcome to the show. Uh, Jim, I wanted to, as a Napoleon Hill Foundation certified instructor, it wouldn't be right if I didn't ask you, uh, was there someone special in your life that said to you, Jim, this is a book you need to read, that introduced you to Think and Grow Rich?
1: So uh, what happened to me was I was in a really, really low point in my life. I was very, very frustrated, very uh, depressed would probably be a good word. And for whatever reason, I came across this little, I, I had it, but I never listened. to it. I, I felt that self-help, self-improvement, self-development was a bunch of hooey. I did not have any interest in that whatsoever. I was very egotistical, very arrogant, and I just wasn't interested. And so I had received this cassette tape in the mail from a guy, uh, Brian Tracy. It was a promotional cassette. It was the psychology of selling and what it was, it was the very first cassette India series, and he sent it out as a promotional thing and I wasn't interested. I put it in a little basket that was in my bathroom and just wasn't interested. And so in this this uh Sunday morning, very depressed, very frustrated, had a big fight with my brother who's in business with me as well. And I just for whatever reason put this uh cassette tape in and I listened to it and I really listened to it. And it literally changed my life in an instant because I could feel my internal makeup, my cellular makeup, whatever you want to call it. I could feel this rise. And I just couldn't figure out what it was, but I knew that it was something special. So I listened to that cassette tape a couple, two or three more times that day. I went into the dealership the next morning and I, I had it in my hand. I can remember I had a selfie with my guy that said, I don't know what this is but this is really important and things are going to change from this point forward. And so I didn't even know what Nightingale Conant was. I didn't know any of that stuff, but the story is I asked my mom about it and my mom was a flea market, uh, a lady who liked to go to the flea market and buy and sell stuff. She really enjoyed that. And somehow she had gotten this tape series uh, called the psychology of winning by Dr. Dennis Whaley. And she gave it to me. She bought it as a recall for $5. It was the old, you know, it was a six cassette tape, <laughs> and a plastic book with a book. And so I listened to that and I listened to that like a nut. I mean, I wore that thing out. And then somehow early on, I got hooked up with Odd Mandino, the greatest salesman in the world. Of course, I was am, always will be a salesman. And and I read that book, which led to other Odd Mandino books. I read all of Odd Mandino's books. And in one of his books, he, he lists the, the 12 greatest self-help books ever written. And um, one of those books is the Bible, so that would take it down to 11. So it's 11 books that 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 uh, he said, you got to read these books. And and then one of those books was, in fact, They can Grow Rich. And so, you know, if Ogmandino says I should read this book, I was always really big on this idea that successful people always, I shouldn't say always, once I get into self-development, Successful people always leave clues. So if Bob Mandino says, read this book, it would be like as if Tom Cunningham said to me, well, Jim, you have to read this book. Which one is it, Tom? "My am good, I'll get it right now. I'll, I'll get it. I'll read it, you know. Okay. I really believe in it. So he says, you've got to read this book. And so I read the book. And uh, and uh, Napoleon Hill tells you that you've got to read this book three times before you put it down. Well, you know, I did that. I read it uh three times, and I kept reading it, but the problem was, Tom, is I wasn't implementing it. I read it, but I wasn't implementing it, and that's when I woke up in 1998. My father had died two years previously, and uh, March 24, 1996, and I often say if, uh, if I knew half as much as I thought I knew when my dad died, I would have been really, really, really smart, so, you know, my dad died, which was devastating enough. This was now my chance to run the business, my big opportunity, so I proceeded to run the business my own way. I didn't want any help. I didn't want any advice. I was the smartest guy on the planet, and I knew what I was doing. Well, the fact is I didn't know what I was doing. So two years later, 1998, I wake up uh, to bankruptcy imminent. The business was in a shambles. It was just things weren't going right. And so I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to do what Napoleon Hill told me to do. I'm going to put his principles into play. And so I did. I mean, I, I, I put it into play. I did exactly what he told me to do, exactly, specifically, every detail. And um, and the needle started to move just a little bit, just a little tiny bit, which gave me hope. So I kept implementing, and it, it moved a little more, which gave me more hope. And I kept implementing, and it moved a little more. And as that as that uh, movement started to occur, I started to believe. I could see it. I mean, I am starting to believe in this Napoleon Hill guy, you know, so now I'm believing. And as my belief got stronger, the needle moved more, and I got more successful. And as that belief got stronger, I started to, now. I'm starting to order in faith. And the Pullman Hill tells you that desire, backed by faith, knows no such word as impossible. I'm telling you. I mean, a lot of people have a hard time believing this, but I mean, I went from bankruptcy imminent in 1998 to having an all-time record profit in 1999, the most profit the dealership ever made in its history. Uh, to that point which was my dad started the business in 1974 so this is you know 25 years of being in business we made more money in 1998 than ever in history and never made less than that again going forward and uh, so everything I have everything I do everything that is in my life is because of the teachings of Napoleon Hill.
0: wow and I remember you telling me one time not only bankruptcy imminent but your mother-in-law wasn't speaking to you and that can be an uncomfortable position
1: well, it's actually my mom. It's my own oh, mom. your mom? Yeah. Your own mom? Oh, yeah.
0: That's even you worse.
1: Know, no, well, I had to make changes, you know, and that's what Napoleon the, the, the Hill told me to do. You know, you seek – one of his big one, – one of Napoleon Hill's big advice points is seek expert counsel. Now, to seek expert counsel, you've got to find somebody who's smarter than you, who knows more than you know, who is an expert in whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. And so, seek expert counsel is a shortcut to riches. Seek expert counsel is a shortcut to riches. Remember that, okay? Mm -hmm. But the key is, in order for you to seek expert counsel, guess what you got to be? You got to be humble, okay? (laughs) Humble. I wasn't humble in 1996, so therefore, seeking expert counsel wasn't an option. Once I got my butt kicked really, really good, now I'm seeking expert counsel and this expert counsel would tell me what to do as far as the steps, right? So I started following the steps, which meant upheaval at the dealership. Well, you know, um, I had to demote my sister from where she was. She, it just wasn't, um, it wasn't working the way it needed to work. So I had to demote her, which caused the whole family to uprise against because it was my sister, right? But I had to do it. It was the right thing to do. She was, really borderline, probably having a nervous breakdown because the pressure was so high. So I had to demote her and bring somebody in that would, you know, serve the purpose of being able to fill the void of what was going on there. And my mom stopped. My mom, my mom didn't speak to me for two weeks, uh, which was devastating. But, you know, I had to do that. And so seek expert counsel is a shortcut to riches. Uh, but unfortunately, well, I shouldn't say unfortunately, you're not always going to want to hear what seek expert counsel tells you. They're going to tell you stuff, and you're going to say, I don't know about that. you got to do what the expert counsel tells you to do. That's the only way, because they're experts. They know what they're talking about. So, yeah, that was a tough time. Wow,
0: wow. And now when I speak, uh, I speak a lot about our fifty to 70,000 daily thoughts and the importance of, purposely managing those thoughts being mindful of them and feeding your brain over and over with your desires and your goals and as we know i think napoleon hill said 2% of people have a definite purpose in life 98% don't and so they rely on the media and their negative friends to feed those 50 to 70,000 daily thoughts but Napoleon Hill spoke a lot about uh, auto suggestion and I know you're a big fan of that and talk about how important that is uh, uh, for any success in any life
1: First of all, let's let's so what Napoleon said and I'm, I'm paraphrasing but you know auto suggestion is the keystone to the arch of this philosophy So he's telling you this is the key to everything auto suggestion He goes on a little after that to say that all the other principles are to cause you or to facilitate you doing auto-suggestion, okay? So you have the desire to do auto-suggestion. You have to believe in auto-suggestion. You have, to, you have to have faith. You have to persist with it, you know, and so on and on and on. So auto-suggestion is the keystone to the arch of this philosophy. So let's define auto-suggestion. Auto-suggestion is what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you writing? What are you saying to Tom Cunningham? what are you watching inspirational videos or the the late night news what are you watching who are you hanging out with this is the whole deal consistently throughout the book cautions you about who you're hanging out with and friends and relatives can be your worst enemies unfortunately because they will tear you down right why are you doing that tom why are you reading that book tom why are you why are you doing those push-ups tom come on you know they, they want to pull you down So who are you hanging out with? And lastly, what are your actions? If you want to be successful, you've got to take successful action. You have to do this on a daily basis. It's a discipline. And so if you understand willpower, willpower by definition is self-mastery, self-discipline, self-control. And so you must take possession of your own mind and direct it to ends of your own choice. So how do you do that? You know, again, what are you listening to? What are you reading? What are you writing? What are you saying to yourself? What are you watching? Who are you hanging out with? What are your actions? This has to be a daily, proactive approach. You can't wait for something to come to you. You have to preempt it. You have to get up in the morning, and the first thing you do is you listen to, you know, Napoleon Hill speaking about thinking we're rich, or you listen to Brian Tracy or Og Mandino or Tom Cunningham or whoever. You have to listen intensively. When you're in your car, all you listen to is, this positive messaging. You have to proactively do affirmations while you're taking a shower, you know? Uh, and it's a great time to do that. You know, you're taking a shower, just do affirmations, you know? Um, you have to uh, watch inspirational videos. You have to read inspirational books like Thinking Grow Rich 107 times like I have. You know, <laughs> so you just proactively do that. And, and, and so how long do you do that for? Well, you do it for one day and then you do it for two days. And then you do it for one week, and then you do it for two weeks, and then you do it for one month, and then you do it for two months, and then you do it for one year, and then you do it for two years, and then you do it for a lifetime. This is a lifetime pursuit. It is, and so that's what I've done for 23 years. And everything I have in terms of health, wealth, love, happiness, and spirit is a direct result of that continual programming of the brain of jim shorty it's mind control that's what it's all about me controlling my mind and so here i am
0: wow wow and i know you're also a ginormous fan of earl nightingale's the strangest secret which can be summarized i think he summarizes it is you become what you think about and that one you've listened to a thousand times so tell us why that one is so amazing
1: well, what, what, um, what Earl Nightingale, and I, and I actually have the book in front of me because I knew you were going to ask me this question, so um, just listen to this the beginning of the book, and this is Earl Nightingale speaking. This is the transcript of the recording, which was recorded in 1956, and he says, and I quote, he says, some years ago, the late Nobel Prize winner, Dr. Albert Schweitzer, was being interviewed in London, and a reporter asked him, doctor, what's wrong with men today? The great doctor was silent a moment and then he said, Men simply don't think. <laughs> it's about this, but I want to talk with you. I mean this is Earl Nightingale talking. So Earl Nightingale wants to talk to you in the Strangest Secret about the fact that men and women don't think. And and actually they do think, it's just they think the wrong thoughts. And so he goes on. He goes on to to describe what the strangest secret is. And the strangest secret is is that you become what you think about. Okay? That's the strangest secret. And as a matter of fact, one of my all time favorite quotes is a quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is that you become what you think about all day long. Mm. So I really believe that. And I, I really Honestly, sincerely, from my heart, believe that. And as soon as I started working on my thinking, all these things started to happen. Exactly, exactly what Napoleon Hill tells you is going to happen, happened. It was unbelievable. Uh, I could tell you stories that would shock you about what happened. It is unbelievable. And and people say, oh, yeah, you were in the right place at the right time. Yeah, I was in the right place at the right time. And I had the right thinking in place at the right time. And I had the right approach in place at the right time. But it was because of that day one, day two, day uh, week one, week two. (laughs) Earl Nightingale challenges you in the strangest, I'm sorry, Earl Nightingale challenges you in the strangest secret to do a 30-day test. And and the goal of the 30-day test is to take possession of your mind. It's mind control. You know, we must control our thinking is the focus of this test. And it's a little bit more involved than that, but that's basically the theme of it is taking, uh, t- uh, controlling your thinking. You know, you must control your thinking. And so you do that for a day and then two days and then 30 days. And then he tells you now, when you're done with that 30 days, repeat it. And then when you're done with that next 30 days, repeat it again. And eventually you're going to form a new habit. And that's what this is all about, forming a new habit. If you want to have a better diet, you do it one day at a time. If you want to have a better approach to spirits, you do it one day at a time. If you want to have a better relationship with your wife or your friends, or who, you do it one day at a time. That's how you do it. And over a period of time, whether that be, you know, some people can develop a new habit in 60 days. Other people, it takes six months, depending on the severity of the bad habit you're trying to change it might take you a year but you do it every day every single day and if you fall off and don't do it for a day you got to get back on to start again on that that next day you know you just got to keep at it so it's right. all about taking possession of your mind that's what this is all
0: about right now let's talk about two of the 17 principles of success uh, uh, that napoleon hill identified and w clement stone who basically funded the napoleon hill foundation he partnered with napoleon hill late in his life he was well known for his positive mental attitude and he believed that was the most important success principle of them all and even the current day uh chairman of i think he's chairman or president of the napoleon hill foundation uh on his business card he has uh, the 17 principles of success and he has pma number one Now the foundation and Napoleon Hill listed and he would argue with W. Clement Stone that a definite purpose is the most important principle and I gotta say for my own life I've always had an amazing positive attitude. I've had to to overcome the health challenges I've had but it wasn't until I I clearly clearly identified my definite purpose. I truly truly believe that if Jesus were sitting on the other side of my desk which would be a pretty cool thing. I believe if I asked him the question, why was I created, I would receive the same document that I read twice a day. Talk about those two principles, PMA and definite purpose, because those, I think, are the keystones to the whole philosophy.
1: Well, again, so a positive mental attitude is a thought process, and a positive mental attitude means that life is great. And and people are great, and the universe is great, and the world is great, and America is great, and uh, Canada is great, and Mexico is great. And so, you know, you, you start your day off with, it's a great day. As a matter of fact, that's the, the theme of my company, what a great day. And I got that from, from Zig Ziglar way back when. Hmm. He said, you got to do something different, you know. And so I started answering the phone, what a great day. This is Jim Shorty. And uh what a great day became the theme of our company. It's actually in our advertising. We we start and close every single commercial with What a Great Day, you know? And uh and it is, it's a great day. And so when you when you make the day a great day, great things happen. And that's I mean that that involves when you pull up to the to the to the turnstile in on the on the road to pay your toll, and you say to the person, Hey, how are you today? you know, and have a great day, and thank you. And it's wonderful, you know, whatever. Thanks for the change, whatever. Just, just nice. That's a two-second interlude. But as you do that kind of a thing, the people that you meet have a gain; they feel uplifted. But the person that gains the most is the person that does the giving. And so everywhere you go, you know, like we, my wife and I, we go out to dinner uh, often. We always, always, always have great service. Always. And if that waiter or waitress comes up and you can see that they're a little bit grumpy, just say something nice to them, or comment on a pin, or maybe they have a picture of their. Ch- Sometimes we'll have a little button with a picture of their children on there. Oh boy, those are beautiful children. Just decide that it's going to be a great day. Decide that it's going to be a great experience, and you will be amazed at how many great experiences and how many great days you have. So pause my is It's just a, uh, you know. It's just really important. What I would say about the 17 principles to answer your question is that I would rather view it as the spokes on a wheel. And each one of those 17 principles are essential. Essential. And you could probably eliminate one and the wheel still works. But if you eliminate two, the wheel breaks down. It just doesn't turn. So in my scheme of things, I have uh, 10 success principles. And I view them as spokes in the wheel. And But the center of that will is mind control. You must take possession of your own mind and direct it to ends of your own choice. You must, you must, you must. So that's the center. And then the spokes become, okay, now how do we do that? And so uh, PMA is like, that's like, that's the key to everything. Now back to the, having a definite goal, uh, you, you, you know, I would compare it to the navigation system in your car, the car, if you, if you plug into your car, a goal of, I don't care, your navigation system is going to crash and burn. I mean, it wants to know specifically where you want to go. And as soon as you enter that information, it's going, to, it's going to tell you to make a left, make a right, go straight, you know, stop, turn around, whatever. It's going to help you get there. Well, your brain works the same way. You you must determine what it is that you want, whether it be health, wealth, love, happiness, spirit, or all five or maybe you want to work on health for the time being. So what does health represent for you? If you know, do you want to weigh a certain amount? Do you want to lower your blood pressure to a certain level? Do you want to uh you know um have a certain uh, uh cholesterol level, whatever that what does health represent to you? And so it's vital that you have a you have to have uh, a goal or goals. And Napoleon Hill, I mean, he beats you up about that through the whole book, you know? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? And I actually say, what do you, my, my answer to that is, what do you really, really, really want? Mm-hmm. I mean, you want it so bad. You want it more than you want to breathe. What do you really, really want? Unfortunately, most people spend more time planning their vacation than they do planning their lives. Right. It's unfortunate. Right. But I know what I want. I have a very, very clearly described what
0: I want. And that's uh, so, so important for it to be clearly described, because if you're going to have auto-suggestion, you have to have something to direct that auto-suggestion to. Yep. And uh, yep. it, the more specific your purpose is, the easier it is to direct your thinking uh, to it. And uh, come on, we're not, I'm not immune to negative thoughts, but I know to recognize mm-hmm. them quickly, and I know how to get back to auto-suggestion quickly so yep. that I don't dwell yep. on those negative thoughts.
1: Used to, I used to, you know, here's how how I would describe that, Tom. I used to, it would take me a week, okay, to get back on track. Then it would take me a few days to get back on track. And then it would take me a day to get back on track. And I had a pause. It was like, okay, I had a bad day. Tomorrow's going to be a great day. There's no way I'm doing this again. And then it took me a half a day. And then it took me an hour. And now it takes me five minutes. Five minutes. I recognize it right away. It's like, hey. Stop this crap, Mister Shorty! Right. You know, life's great. That person that just cuts you off—no big deal. Maybe, and, and I'll think so i like, well, maybe, maybe they have some kind of an emergency. Maybe they're going to the hospital, whatever. But I'm not going to let it ruin my day. Oh, i disagree have disagreements with my wife, and I'll tell her. I say, okay, we have a disagreement. You know, you're angry, I'm angry, and I'm done. I'm done because we are going to have a great evening. We're going to have a fun time. We're going to go for a walk. We're going to play some Scrabble. Whatever we do but I'm not going to carry this forward. I'm not, because this is my life, man. This is my life. And if I, I got to keep it at five, 10 minutes, that's it. Five, 10 minutes of doom and gloom and then back to the positive Jim Shorty. That's the way it has to
0: be. Right. And my wife is one that likes to call people that cut her off various names. And uh, I remind her that, A, neither one of us is a, uh, both of us are fast drivers. So neither one of us has, uh not done what that person's done we've cut people off we've done horrible things and then i remind her hey that could be our pastor or someone from our church you never know everybody makes mistakes while they're driving so uh you know calling them a name is not helping you and it's not really helping your mindset at all
1: yeah zig Ziglar told a story about that of the um you probably heard it of in one of his, his tapings about the airplane uh uh <laughs> he and he and you know how oh, he he taught man he was great but uh, <laughs> talked about and the plane's still not going to leave on time you know and I right. go, oh, hey, oh, Matt, oh and blah blah, blah, blah. So he goes through this whole thing and the plane's still not leaving on time. You, know, <laughs> you know, I, and he said like for example so you are at the airport and the plane is leaving on, uh, leaving late. So why not go you know, here's, and here's the deal, here's how you do it. So you know, go get your book out of your briefcase, Thinking for grow rich and sit and read. Like my wife has a had a had a my wife has a palm in her leg and it's she's not some kind of a circulatory thing, whatever it is, and it's something to be concerned about. So she called her doctor, she said, Well, you better go to the emergency room, and make sure it's not something other than what we think it might be. So anyway, she goes to the emergency room and she and so I've got my thinking, grow rich, reading number 107. This voice says to me, well, why don't you just come home? I'm going to be here for a while. I said, I'm not leaving. I'm here. I, I'm not leaving. You know, like, would you leave if I was here? No, okay, well, I'm not leaving either. So I'm in the, uh, the room, in the waiting area, and I've got my thinking, grow rich. And I could have been sitting on an island in the Caribbean and not been any happier. i got my folk. I'm sitting there. waiting for my wife. I'm concerned about my wife. Of course, I read one Hundred pages of Thinking Grow Rich while I was waiting for my wife called making your downtime prime time. That being said, my wife shot me a text. She said, "You know, geez, I'm so sorry." I said, "Hi, I'm getting smarter. I'm learning. I've read a, a, at that point seventy pages of Thinking Grow Rich. I'm great. I'm gonna wait for you. Life is great. You you just be healthy, relax. You know." And I can read you those texts right now. I'm not kidding you. That is what I did, and. um, I went back to the cafeteria, bought a cup of, uh, a cup of hot tea, sat in the cafeteria for a while, reading my book. And remember, when I read it, I mean, I write, I highlight, I make notes. And uh, so, I mean, I had a beautiful experience waiting for my wife. Oh, And my wife is fine, by the way. But I had a beautiful experience. I read 100 pages of Thinking, Grow Rich. And I told my wife that when we get out later on, when we were driving out away from hospital, and and she's uh, and she knows me, you know, she just couldn't believe that I read 100 pages while I was waiting for her, that's how you do it, man. That's how you
0: program your brain. Right, exactly. I never wait anywhere without reading some positive book. Why would I watch whatever they're forcing me to watch or read a seven-year-old magazine when I can pull out Think and Grow Rich or some other personal development book? And then I'm almost annoyed when I get called. It's like, oh man, I was so into this book and it seems like only five minutes.
1: Yeah, that's how I read *The Strangest Secret* over a thousand times. I mean, well over a thousand times, because I had it. It was a little book about the size of, if you could make an L with your thumb and your corner finger, about that big. It would fit perfectly in my pocket. I had it with me all the time. I, I had it with me. If I, I, I'll, I'll leave my wallet at home, but I'm not leaving that book at home. I had it with me all the time. And so, I mean, if I got stuck in a traffic jam, I'm reading *The Strangest Secret*. <laughs> Bye didn't matter. I read it, and I read it well over a thousand times. I just pounded that message into my head, which is very simple, that you become what you think about. And uh, if that's true, if that's true, if that's true that you become what you think about, so just think about that. If that's true, wouldn't you be very careful what you thought about? Right. I mean, holy cow, if I think unhealthy thoughts... I'm going to be unhealthy. If I think hateful thoughts, does that mean I'm going to be hateful? Yeah, that's what it means. So I better stop thinking hateful thoughts because I don't want to be hateful. If I'm hateful, people aren't going to like me. If people don't like me, they're not going to do business with me. If they don't do business with me, my business is going to go back to bankruptcy imminent. I can remember, Tom, back when I was bankruptcy imminent, I was so arrogant. I was so... It'd be previous to that, which led to the bankruptcy. And I can remember, I can remember just saying, if I can just get out of this, I will never be arrogant again. Never, I will never allow that to happen again. And I will never forget that. I tell my wife all the time, if you hear me sounding like I'm arrogant, kick me in the butt. I don't want to be arrogant. It's a terrible thing. The number one enemy of a successful business enterprise, bar none. Number one enemy is arrogance. It will tear more businesses apart. It will tear more marriages apart. It will tear more churches apart. I mean, arrogance. You know, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. I don't need your uh, arrogance. And so the, uh, one of the one of the fundamental rules of my company, well, there's three rules. First rule, love the customer. I do mean love. Hug them, kiss them. Figuratively speaking, of course, love the customer. Because if we don't love the customer, there's not going to be any customer's to love right so love the customer number two is to love the team because if we don't love our team there's not going to be anybody to love the customer so the combination of loving our team respecting our team loving our customers respecting our customers causes us to become very 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 successful and so as you remember, said earlier the number one enemy of a successful business enterprise is arrogance right and so i developed number my my third goal um which is uh Almost number one. So number one goal, love the customer. Second number one goal, love the team. Third goal, almost number one, is to keep it very, very, very humble. And uh, I had to remind many, many people about how important that was and actually had to have some people leave our organization because they just couldn't get over themselves. You know, we have to respect our team. We have to respect our customers. And that can apply to, you know, how about a marriage? You know, love your wife. You know what I mean? Love your wife. I mean, gosh darn, she's your wife, you know. Right. Love her. Love her, kiss her, And right. uh, love your team, which is your supporting team, you know, and then keep it very, very, very humble. It applies to everything. Help, love, love, happiness, and spirit.
0: Right. And uh, I love the humility one. Uh, I've gotten a lot of testimonials. Uh, they're on my website. But one of the best ones I had was from uh, a speech I did in California. And uh, Brad Brinkman wrote that uh, Tom is egoless. And uh, that one really, really touched me uh, because that's one of the things I strive for too, humility. Everybody I meet, I know is better than me in many different ways. And uh, if I should ever think I'm better uh, than them, uh, that would be Uh, mistake on my part and so humility is so so important no matter where you are what you do and from interviewing hundreds and hundreds of successful people they're the most humble and most accessible people in the world you know some and they love to help other people and so humility is enormously important now you spoke about your wife and let me mention that uh, of course the number two principle or in the order of the napoleon hill foundation is the mastermind alliance and you and i know that napoleon hill wrote specifically about henry ford and thomas edison that their wife was their biggest mastermind most important mastermind partner and i know a you've been married a long time and b you weren't always the jim Shorke you are today and so talk about that most important mastermind relationship
1: well i've been married for 37 years uh and uh actually 37 years uh on july the 14th so this thursday 37 years and i've known my wife uh, for 40 years this fall and so she's my very 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 best friend and uh uh, you know, when you look at love, L-O-V-E, love, it, it's uh, family, friends, and romance, and uh, romance is very, very important. And so, you know, one of the things that I'm currently working on is, you know, I've been married, like I said, 37 years, so you tend to maybe take your wife for granted. And uh, so I call it six hugs a day, you know, and so I consciously, and and, and please notice my choice of words, I consciously... Have made a decision that I'm going to hug my wife three times every single day. I'm at three right now for the day, and I'm talking about a real hug, uh, and um, and to tell her that I love her. And uh, my wife is—I mean, you know—so so you know one of the things that I think is very important that I discovered just recently, that I just from some different things I've been doing, is that it's very very important to have a goal. Okay, so we know that, right? So we have this goal. But I think a part that is missing from thinking grow rich that I think could be, and, and maybe it's just not clear enough, but you have to have a reason why. Okay? And a reason why. And so I've developed this idea, I call it my advantages list. And so, so for example, one of my big things right now is working on being healthy. Okay, so why do I want to be healthy? Well, because I want to, I, I, I discovered this lady that lived to be 122 years old in France, okay? She's the oldest documented living person in history, right? <laughs> so, 122. So, guess what, Tom? Uh, my original goal was to live to be 100. That's been my goal for 23 years to live to be 100. Well, I have a new goal, 122. Because if she can do it, Jim Shorty can do it, right? right. So in order to live to be 122, I've got to take specific health measures uh, in terms of diet, exercise, and thinking, right? So, okay, now I have a new goal, 122. Now, why? Why do I have this new goal? Okay, or why do I have this goal, excuse me? Well, because I get to spend 60 more years with my best friend on the planet, Amy. I get to walk with her, exercise with her, ride bikes with her, you know, play scrabble with her. So I have this on my list. I call it my advantages list is my wife, okay. And then I get my second advantage. I get to spend time with my family. My my I have four children and their four significant others and and my brother and my sisters and Amy's brother and her sister and, and all the different parts of that family. And I have so many close friends and so I've got that written out and you know that I love living, you know, so that's a reason, okay? And then another reason is I want to be able to run um Again, more efficiently, you know, so I'm I'm working on losing weight so that I can be, I want to be able to run three miles uh, every single day with ease. And right now I run two miles with pain. Okay. (laughs) So so I'm working on getting to three miles with ease, which so therefore losing weight. But but my point is, though, is that why do you want to be a millionaire? If you want to be a millionaire because you have a million dollars in the bank, that's a bad reason. Right. If you want to be a millionaire so that you can go on vacation with your lovely wife, that's a great reason. That's right. a great reason. And so you have to have a reason why. And I do think um, that Napoleon Hill could do a more effective job talking about the reason why. I think that should actually be a step. I think it should be, you know, there's 13 principles. I think it could be a 14th principle, which is, why what's the reason why so i've actually added that to my success strategy in terms of being able to be able to be able to say to somebody well here's how you do it that would be that's one of my steps now
0: wow well i'm going to add the three hugs a day i think that's an amazing six hugs
1: six six
0: hugs
1: a day i'm at three right now i have three more to go and it's such a cool thing it's such a cool thing. I, 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 and I don't know, who knows, where do I get six at? I have no idea. You know, numbers come into my brain, it's like six hugs. And so I have it written down, six hugs a day. And um, so I'm at three right now, and, and we work at it. We have a lot of fun with it. It's really a fun thing. But, you know, we're mammals. We are mammals, and we love affection as mammals. We love to be hugged, you know. Your dog loves it when you hug him, your cat. You know, cat's right. a little different They love to be stroked, they love to be petted, they love to be hugged, and so we're mammals, and human beings, it's a proven fact, it's a scientific fact that if we have what is called tactile stimulation, look it up, tactile stimulation, hugging, stroking, you know, having a back rub, whatever the case may be, tactile stimulation will make you healthier, absolute scientific fact. And wow. so uh, it's just a neat thing. I mean, I, I love my wife, but sometimes we take people for granted, Tom, and that's not good.
0: Right. So, exactly. and
1: everything I have uh, is a result of the principles of Napoleon Hill. He spends a lot of time talking about the Mastermind Alliance. It's, it's it's two people. I'm sorry, it's yourself and one other person is, by definition, a Mastermind Alliance. And it can go six to ten. I guess uh, Andrew Carnegie had 50 you decide that, but it's got to be at least two people, which of course would be your wife and yourself. And um, but he he consistently talks about uh, cooperation. As a matter of fact, in the book, there's um 30. I think it's 30 reasons for failure, 31 something, 30 some reasons for failure. And he talks about cooperate or not or uh, not being cooperative. He says that is that lack of cooperation is more impo- more impactful than all the other ones combined. And he says that if you look at the books, I've read that book 107 times, and I, I'll read it with a purpose in mind. So my most recent reading was, um, was philosophy. You would be amazed at how many times he mentions the word philosophy in that book. And philosophy is a way of living. It is a lifestyle. It's a way of living. Think and Grow Rich is a lifestyle. So uh, 107, I read it with philosophy in mind. I, I underline every time I saw that word philosophy and I, I thought about it, I pondered it. So philosophy. And and um, another thing that, that I've read it in one of six, I read it with this idea of mind of, are you ready? You read that book um, from the point of view of, are you ready? You'll be amazed at how many times he asked you that question. He says, mm-hmm. you can have this. If you're ready, you can do this. If you're ready, you'll see the secret when you're ready for it. And uh, if you're not ready for it, Ain't going to happen, man. you got to be ready. I mean, you've got to be ready. You've got to be in a situation like I was in 1998. Imagine this. Okay, I'm bankrupt. My dad started this business in 1974. I am involved in the business from day one, part-time and full-time. My brother works in the business. My sister works in the business. My brother-in-law works in the business. And my mother works in the business and myself. Five family members involved in this small Business. Two years after my dad died, the business is bankruptcy, imminent. I felt like a loser. I was a loser. I was losing. Imagine how that felt. And so I was ready. I was ready. And so I said, enough is enough. I can remember sitting across the table or sitting across the room from Chrysler Financial, which is our one of our financial arms who came in to help me out. I was now finally seeking expert counsel. And this guy, after I told him my story, he literally had tears in his eyes. And he says, Jim, I had brought them in. They were auditing my books. They were actually auditors. He says, Jim, do you still want to do this? I said, well, what do you mean do I still want to do this? Of course I still want to do this. That's why I brought you guys in here. He says, no, 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 no. He says, you still want to sit behind that desk? And I was in my dad's office at the time, and, and I was out from behind the desk. So the, behind my dad's desk was, was empty. He says, you still want to sit behind that desk? I said, that's my dad's desk. I wanted to sit behind that desk my whole life. I said, let me tell you something. If I have to work 26 out of 24 hours, I'm going to do it. I will figure this thing out. I will. I am not going to lose. And so I was ready, and I did implement the um, the principles of Napoleon Hill. I did seek expert counsel. And you know what the beauty of it is? when you read, my, you read my story, I think, Paul. You know, most of the extra counsel, to your point that I got, was free, F-R-E-E. I got millions of dollars of advice for no charge. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And it worked because I did what they told me to do. I did what they told me to do. That's all. You know, do this, Jim. Make sure you do that, Jim. Okay, I got my list. Okay, I did all those things. And the needle moved. But it was because of Napoleon Hill urging me to, you know, write out my statement, to read it in front of the mirror two times a day, mm. to, you know, have a mastermind alliance, to, to, to the persistence chapter, and that persistence, man. Oh, that's just, persistence is ceaselessness, mm. ceaseless, means forever, man. Tenacity, you know. Mm. So uh, I implemented that book. That's what I did, brother. That's what I did. Amen,
0: amen. Last question here. Uh, you recently had a really prestigious speaking engagement. You did the commencement address at Penn State. Uh, yes. Talk about that. Like, what did you talk about, and and how did they react? And like, that is that is like a really prestigious speaking engagement.
1: So it was, it was a, now to be clear, it was Penn State New Kensington, so it was a branch campus. It wasn't the main campus. But nevertheless, these are uh, a bunch of young uh, uh, people who are graduating from, from, uh, from college. And so I, what I did was I told them uh, my story, which you have, and um, not quite as much detail because I was only, I was restricted restricted to 20 minutes, but, you know, I talked in terms of, you know, what I felt that it takes to be successful. And so I wanted to give these kids something that they could take away. And so I I actually had the speech and I had it so that it went to a website that they can actually get a the transcript of the speech. And so they had that. And so I started I started off with what you and I talked about today that from bankruptcy imminent to incredible prosperity and exactly how I did that and so one of the things that you know I don't often talk about is is, is, as part of my success journey I I started on March 1st 1993 and so I'm studying reading and getting all excited about you know all this different stuff and I was a very very heavy drinker drinker to the point of having a drinking problem in most circles I would be considered an alcoholic I never like to admit that I still don't know that I like to admit that but probably by definition, uh, alcoholic, right? So I'm studying, I'm reading, I'm studying, and it became very apparent that if you're going to be involved with self-help, that alcoholism and self-help are going in divergence, their, their diversion path. And so I, uh, I, I on, on, on uh, December 26, 1993, which was roughly, uh, what, nine months later, after we almost 10 months later, I decided that I was going to stop drinking for 30 days, kind of like Earl Nightingale's test, 30-day test, right? So, mm-hmm. I, I, And I literally had a beer in one hand and a glass of wine on the <laughs> other hand. It was on like December 26, 1993. i never forget it because I actually told my wife what I was going to do, and she actually was mad at me, like, what are you talking about? You're so full of crap. You know you're not going to do that. And so I did it. I did day one. I did day two. And I ended it. I ended up doing it for 30 days. So I didn't drink any alcohol for 30 days. I said, okay, I did it for 30 days. Uh, Earl Lennie tells you to repeat the test. So I started it again for another 30 days. And I didn't eat, didn't drink any alcohol for another 30 days. So now I'm at 60 days, right? And so I'm into my, I said, I'm going to do it again. So I'm into my, my third 30-day test. And I'm in my driveway. The children in the van, Amy in the van, backing out of the driveway. And my daughter Katie, who at that time was 12 years old, she says to me, remember what I told you, you've got to have a reason why, right?
0: Mm-hmm. So my
1: daughter says to me, Dad, I'm so proud of you. You're not, you haven't drank, you haven't been drinking. I'm so proud of you. She says, it always bothered me when you drank. And so I'm back in the van out of the driveway, and she says what she said, and I couldn't even process. I'm like, well, what did she just say? Put the car in park. I'm in the middle of the road of our <laughs> street. And I said, Katie, what did you say? And she told me, she repeated herself. And I said, oh, my gosh, Katie, I said, I am so sorry. I said, I never knew that. I never knew that it made you feel bad. I would never, ever want to make you feel bad. I'll tell you what, Kate, I promise you, I will never drink again. I promise you. And um you get emotional about that. And so it really wasn't a promise to It was just something I said. But I did say it. I did make a promise. I did say it to my daughter. And so that became the whirlwind of you know, day 90, day 120, and, and it became more and more entrenched. And then I knew what I had done to my wife over this alcohol. I knew that it was devastating for her over the years that she just, just didn't, didn't want, didn't like it, didn't want it. I mean I, I was arrested twice for drunk driving. I had a real bad accident because of drunk driving. I would spent the night in jail because of drunk driving. I mean, I was just not a good guy, right? And so as I went on, I was like, I could see the positivity of my wife as a result of me not drinking. I was like, how can I do that to her? So I developed reasons why I wasn't going to drink. And to to, to this day, I, I will not drink alcohol. It just isn't an option. So I told that story to these kids, you know. So I just want you to understand, Tom, that it, it's not about making money. However, it is about making money. But, but if all you do is make money, then I believe that that would be a life poorly lived. It's got to be about health. It's got to be about wealth. It's got to be about love, which is family, friends, and romance. It's got to be about happiness, which is fulfillment, doing something that's bigger than you. And it's got to be about spirit, which is zest, ardor, passion, enthusiasm, you know? And so. Those five things is how I define my life as being well-lived or horribly lived. That's my, that's my measuring stick. Health, wealth, love, happiness, and spirit.
0: Wow. Amazing, amazing. Uh, I should have done this earlier, but uh, people listening, you can find out more about Jim at his website, which is the same as his new company, Results from Thinking dot com results from thinking.com thank you so much for being with us uh, today jim uh, really appreciate it and uh, uh what you're doing is uh, amazing you have handed over your seven dealerships to your son and i believe now you're actually pursuing your your real true purpose in life and making a difference in others lives uh people that you may never even meet. If you change one person, you change all the other people around them. And I really believe that's your true uh, purpose in life. And uh, I'm excited to be following you and to know all of the great things you're doing.
1: And, uh, and I will say this uh, a million times. If I can do this, <laughs> anybody can do this. Anybody. It, it, it's absolutely the facts. I'm nobody special uh, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy in the room, but what I'm really, really good at is copying successful people. So if Tom Cunningham says to me, hey, Jim, I have this idea that's helped me, well, then I'm going to pursue it because that's how you get to be successful, by doing successful things. Successful people are successful for a reason. Once you figure out the reason or reason, all you do is copy them. That's what I'm good at is copying That's
0: it. Amen. Thanks for being with us today, Jim, and have yourself an amazing day. You as well, Tom. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email Tom at TomTooTall.com
1: for details.